0: Amen. Well, hello to you all. You're well? Yeah, good. I'm yeah, not too bad. Okay, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, then uh, we're going to follow. I was trying f- starting to follow the leading of the Spirit. So we're going to turn to Isaiah 53. Thanks, Trish. Uh, glasses, fine, thank you which was read earlier uh, from verses four to six, says, surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want to focus, start with verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, in the scriptures, Christians or the believers in God are often likened to sheep. <laughs> okay, in the fact, there's two types of people that the Bible often speaks about, which you've got sheep and sheep goats that's right so sheep and goats sorry rock badgers as well okay I'm not familiar with rock badgers but sheep and goats I don't know what translation Julia reads but um so sheep and goats and um it's, it's two common things we know that the sheep are the righteous and the goats are the unrighteous and of course, we have psalms like Psalm 23, where the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want, and that he leads us and guides us. And then you look in the uh, teachings of Jesus and in the Gospels, where the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000, he has pity on the people because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Okay? So Jesus often is relating people to being sheep, but sheep are specifically people that are believers. Now, we as sheep have all gone astray, but the context of this passage is actually to Israel because they are God's flock and they have gone astray and they're not walking correctly as God had ordained, as set down throughout the scriptures. And Jesus was sent to, to help and to seek out the lost sheep of Israel. Okay, So he was bringing back those that had strayed from the truth of God's word and the truth of God's covenant and were going in their own ways. But I often think, you know, because we read these scriptures and we, and we think, oh well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm on the rock, blessed be the name of Jesus. So this doesn't apply to me. But sometimes I look at these scriptures and think, well, hang on, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Oh, don't answer, please. Am I, am I? That's a rhetorical question. Am I a sheep or am I a goat? Right? Hopefully, I'm a sheep. And and uh, if I am a sheep, right, then we all like sheep have gone astray. And we've all turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid upon him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. We all like sheep have gone astray. What does it mean to go astray? It's pretty obvious, really. It means to come off the track. It means to come off the paths of righteousness. You know, it says in the Psalm 23, doesn't it? It says uh, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So if I'm going astray, it means I'm not walking on those paths of righteousness. And the path of righteousness, what, what, what are the paths of righteousness? Is it just like, thou shalt not and thou shalt? Or is it something more than that? The path of righteousness is the path of the wisdom of God. In the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And it's about this experiential walk with God. Jesus says in John 17, verse 3 or 4, I think, He says eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. And so I would say the quality of our eternal life which starts now, is also hinging on the fact of what is your relationship like with God? How well do you know him? Are you walking with him daily? Are we spending time with him? And are we acquainted with his ways and walking in his footsteps so that we walk in the ways of righteousness? And the ways of righteousness are the paths of peace and the path of joy and the path of God's kingdom. It's the path of life. Jesus has come to give us life and life in abundance. But you can't have that abundant life unless you walk in the path and walk in the way of the Lord so that you can have his abundant life flowing in and through you because God will resist the proud but he gives grace, mercy to the humble. Now Paul, when James wrote that, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, he wrote it to Christians, not to unbelievers, amen. I think I've got my first ever wow there. Wow. <laughs> all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And, and, and this, this, is, this is the quintessential thing. You see, a true Christian, no, 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 we are all true Christians, but we all get days where we follow in our own footsteps in our own desires, in our own inklings, and in our own machinations, rather than that of the ways of the Lord. Sometimes we would rather do things our way instead of God's way. We have all turned to our own way. I remember the Lord gave me this dream once, and in this dream he showed me the paths of righteousness and the paths that lead to death. And it was quite a horrible dream, really. I I don't know if you've ever seen it, there's pictures, I don't know where it is in the world, but there's this beautiful kind of cave. And it's so huge that the opening of the cave has trees and vegetation growing in, just like at the entrance of this cave, it's enormous. And the camera shot that I've, I've seen has been from inside the cave looking out. So you see all this lush vegetation that's growing where there's light, and you can see the brilliance of light. But then of course, Where the photographer is taking this picture is from a place of darkness. And in the dream it was like that. It was like I could see the path of righteousness. And that was the view up there where it was plush and lush and you could see the light and the glory of God. But there were so many people that were walking down into darkness not knowing that it was leading to death but they were happy to walk down those paths and I couldn't understand it and people were slipping up and and I won't tell you what they were slipping up in but it, it was it was disgusting and it was the ways of man and it was the wisdom of man and walking in their ways and it led to death and they had no idea they loved darkness and they loved the things of darkness and they left the things of light behind them God wants us to walk in his ways we give ourselves so much trouble and so much turmoil in our lives because we simply don't do it God's way, but we simply choose to do it our way, <laughs> All right. Some of us here are old enough to go, yeah, amen, Alright? That when we do it our way, it just doesn't work out so good for us. It really doesn't. And sometimes doing it God's way is harder. Sometimes doing it God's way is more costly. But the benefits, the rewards outweigh any problems or circumstances that you're going to go through. You know, as Paul says, the tribulation and the persecution that you are suffering now is, is but a glimpse in comparison to the eternal glories that await us. You know, what we do now is important and it will echo into eternity. We live for today. We're always like, I want what I want and I want it now and I want it for today. And if I have to wait three days for an Amazon parcel to get to me, that's a mighty inconvenience. Okay, Now, that's the kind of, that's the kind of way we live today. But when it comes to the path of godliness, it's about we're sowing today, but reaping for the future. But you can have some of that now as well. You don't have to wait till you die. You can. The more that we sow to the things of the Spirit, the more we can have the fruit of the Spirit in us. And the ways of the Spirit is life. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. That's right. We all like sheep have gone astray, we've all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sometimes every now and then we'll put on the Passion of Christ, the Mel Gibson version, which let's be honest is hard watching, I don't know if anyone's watched that. But do you know why Why we'll sit and watch it? To remind ourselves of the gruesomeness and the graphicness no, there's no such word, um, but the gruesomeness and, the, and the, the, the horrendous atrocity that the cross is and what it does to people and, and the brutal way that Jesus was whipped and taken to the cross. And people don't, I, don't, I remember when it first came out, Christian say to me, I'm not gonna put myself there, I'm not gonna watch that. It's like, but this is what Jesus did for you. I know it's not comfortable. And I know when we paint paintings of the cross, we sanitize it, don't we? To this nice, comfortable looking picture. But it says in Isaiah that he was bloodied so beyond human mar that people looked at him and they couldn't even tell if he was human. He looked like a piece of meat hung on a tree, hung on a cross. You go, why are you telling us this, Chris? What, what, why do we need to know this horror? Because when I look at Christ like that, I look at my hero. When I watch that, that Passion of Christ and I see Jesus c- struggling to carry that cross and he keeps falling over, I just look at him and go, that's my hero, that he carried that cross, that he bore my sin, that he bore my guilt and he bore my shame and all of my wickedness and all my weaknesses. And he took it to the cross with him so that I have been crucified with him, that now through him, the life I now live, I, no longer, I now live by faith in the Son of God who died for me, gave himself up for me and loved me. And it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. The old Chris Wickland is dead with all his fears, with all his addictions and inhibitions and all his old ways. It was nailed to Calvary 2,000 years ago. And now I am a new creation in Christ Jesus with the living Christ living inside of me. And that if I walk in his ways, I come into harmony with Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus wants us to walk in harmony. You know, the Bible talks about having Christ in us. But the scriptures also teach us about being in Christ Jesus. You know, there is that disconnect. I, I felt this earlier in my Christian walk. You go, yes, Christ in me, the hope of glory. But then, where's, but then you've with the reality of that. It's like, well, I know in theory that he's in me, but why am I struggling with the reality of Christ in me? Why is it not changing me? Why is it not making a difference in my life? And it's because I might have Christ in me, but am I in Christ Jesus? Am I walking in my ways and expecting him to follow me and bless me with his presence? Or am I going to walk in his ways and walk in his presence? Amen? Amen. Now, I've heard, I'm sure many of you will testify to this. When you first get saved, the presence of the Lord is upon you. And you're just like, oh man, it was the first six months of being born again. It was so awesome. God was just with me all the time. And then that came that day where the feeling just went away. And it's not that God's gone away. Because God is always with us, He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. Do you want to let her in? It's just Julie. It's a friend of mine. God will never, never fail us. Never forsake us. He's always there. That's Christ in us. But then I realised that actually. If we carry on seeking after the Lord and walking in his ways, we can have the presence of God on us all the time. See, when you're a baby Christian, God has to help you and and navigate you and and, and stuff. But then it comes a time where it's like, okay, I've been holding you. Now you're like a little little toddler. Now let's see if you can do some steps by yourself. And in time you get stronger until eventually you can walk by yourself. And God's saying, okay, I've helped you. Now here's the way. Walk ye in it. Don't walk in your own way walk in my way and the lord has laid on jesus the iniquity of us all sometimes as trish was saying today through through what she shared with that picture i like that the little black spot never would have seen that but it's a perfect illustration sometimes we're blind to something that's right in front of us everyone else can see it amen but your wife can or your husband can, but you can't see that spot that's, well, I've never seen that spot before. Can't you see this wonderful view and this wonderful visage? It's like, yeah, but there's something in your life. And, And we do need to sometimes take a look in the mirror at ourselves and be honest with ourselves. Not that we condemn ourselves and say, oh, you're such a worm and all this kind of stuff, but that we are honest with ourselves and say, you know what, there is things in my life that aren't right. And and I'm weak in these areas. Every one of us in this room, we have our Achilles heel. Okay, how young you are, how old you are, we all have areas in our life which are either blind spots or areas of weakness. And I think it's good to acknowledge those black spots on the glass that you're trying to look through, maybe even trying to ignore and focus beyond. Because what it shows us is the mercy and the grace of God. Don't, take, don't look at it and go, oh, I'm such a lowly this and such a terrible this. Actually, what you should do is see and acknowledge and go, Lord, I don't know why you choose to love me. I don't know why you pour out your grace and your blessings and your kindness upon me. But Lord, I am so grateful that he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But it is your grace and it is your mercy. And I am forever grateful to you, Jesus, for the cross. And I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. It keeps you in the path of humility. When you acknowledge that you're not, we're not all so awesome as we'd like to think we are, and we do pay attention to those little specks from time to time, that actually it may helps us to acknowledge the goodness of God. It helps us to acknowledge actually we've got a ways to go. We're not so perfect. And then that helps us when we look at others. Because whether we like it or not, we all judge everybody. We shouldn't do, but we do. If, even like, well, yeah, that person over there has got this kind of colored hair, or that person over there you know, wears these kind of clothes. It's like We make judgments all the time. That's just the way we are. We shouldn't do it, but we do do it. But when you know, there but for the grace of God go I. Maybe then that helps us when we look at other people thinking, well, actually, they've all got little spots on their glass. I've got plenty of spots on my glass. So maybe I should spend less time looking at their spots, looking at my own spots, and just thank God for his grace that he loves me, irrespective of me. Amen. Sorry, yeah, i am just clap. <laughs> Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried away our diseases surely surely he has surely he has borne our infirmities surely ah, uh, how else could you say it? Most assuredly, um, without doubt, absolutely. Impossible. I can't speak, uh, imperatively, absolutely with complete confidence and assurance, this is the truth. Surely he has, past tense, borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. You know, I've said this before, when I read the Psalms, sometimes the Psalms are really dark. You're reading about, man, this guy is going through some serious stuff. But it's it's mostly all the Psalms are about Jesus. Even when he says, my bones groan under the weight of my sin, you go, well, Jesus is the sinless one. It's not about him. But it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that he who knew no sin became sin. So that sin that the person in the Psalms is groaning about is Jesus. And guess whose sins it is he's groaning for? Ours. So when you read that, you can identify with Christ and you can identify in some small way with the sufferings of the, of the risen Christ who died on a cross for us. And that's why it's called the passion, because he absolutely loved you that much that he endured that kind of torture, that he endured that kind of pain because he loves us. He loves us for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And everlasting life begins the day you give your life to Christ. Hallelujah. It doesn't happen when you die glory by and by and you go to heaven. It happens the moment you give your life to Christ. And some Christians are walking around waiting to die because then they can like go to glory and get to know Jesus. You can start here. You can start now. You can start today. You can walk in the path of righteousness starting now and walk in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. But as it says in Hebrews 4, we must contend to enter into this rest. This is not something that just comes to you. It's there. It's available to you. It's available right now. But you and I need to make a decision. I can make a decision right here and right now. I could get angry about stuff or I could choose to walk in the peace of Christ and choose to be in the place of peace. Or I can just work myself up and get myself real angry and real mad and being miserable to everybody. Yeah, we can all do it. We have a choice because Christ has given us a choice. He was struck Down by God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus became the forsaken so that you never have to be forsaken because God has promised by blood, by oath, by covenant that he will never fail you and he will never forsake you. You don't have to go to hell because Jesus went there for you. You don't have to suffer the agony of spiritual death and separation from God the Father because Jesus did it for you. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. Hallelujah. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. You know, sometimes I meditate upon the stations of the cross. And when I meditate on the whipping post, you know, I I count 39 lashes and I watch him take every one of those whips, every one of those lashes as they cut and tore into his flesh And I hear his screams and I hear his agony. But I know that when he did it, he did it because he loved me. And he did it because he loved you. And that's why it's called the passion. Who on planet Earth has ever done anything like that? Who's ever done anything like that to endure such torture? But not just in the natural, but also in the spiritual. Jesus has a relationship with the father. that You and I have can have no conception of at this side of eternity. It's not even possible. No way. He is so one with the father that if you've seen him, you have seen the father. They are so one. Yet Jesus still calls him his God. Yet Jesus is himself God. And this wonderful unity and Jesus was separated for a period of time. We don't know how long. Even from that, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And he did it for you and he did it for me because he loved us. And I think it's good sometimes, this message may be sober, but sometimes it's good to remember. What did Jesus really die for? This is what grieves me about the modern day church, not, not generally, but you know, where they're getting into certain uh, ideologies and they're, they're pro this and pro that. And you think, what did Jesus actually die for? Why did he go to the cross? It was because of sin. It's because sin is so heinous to a, to a holy God that he cannot tolerate it. It says in Isaiah, it creates a separation and a barrier between man and God. God doesn't want that barrier to be there. God doesn't want man to be separated from God. But that sin will separate us and send us to fiery hell. And God doesn't want man to perish. It's not his will that any should perish. And that's why he sent his only son through that barbaric, awful, cruel cross and the whipping post that led up to it and the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane because he loved us. Hallelujah. And because he so loved us, Who wouldn't want to walk in the paths of righteousness? Who wouldn't want to live a life that is just sold out for Christ? He sold out and gave everything for you and for I. So why wouldn't we want to give him our best? Give him the best of our time. Give him the best of our worship. Give him the best of all that we have. Jesus, you laid down your life for me. I in turn lay down my life for you. I will choose to walk in your ways. Your ways are not my ways, but your ways are highways. I will choose to walk in the highway of holiness. I will choose to walk in the footsteps of my Lord and my Jesus. That when the world looks at me, they say that man or that woman is just like Jesus. As when they looked at Christ, they said that is the father. Jesus is living in us and he wants to break out of us. And he wants to use you and me to minister to all mankind in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. But brothers and sisters, we must walk in the ways of the Lord. We must yield ourselves to him. We must, like Jesus, as he was put to the cross, we must take up our own cross and walk daily. And what does that mean? Lay aside those sins that so easily beset us and pursue righteousness and be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. But what is holiness? Is it just about a list of do's and don'ts? Or is it something more than that? Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Yes. Everything comes from love. You could get two people. You get a really religious person and someone that understands what it truly means to walk in the path of righteousness. Externally, they both look exactly the same. Internally, their universe is apart. One goes through a checklist. If I do this, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, maybe God will be pleased with me. But then you have the other one who's like who understands and knows where he's at, but loves his God and wants to walk in the path of righteousness and walk in the path of wisdom that he can come closer and closer to the living God every day of his life. (laughs) Oh, man. People can get bored of hearing this. how can you get bored of coming to know God if you are bored coming to know God then it's not God who you know and I don't know what it is that you're doing but it is not the living God because if you know the living God he is the least boring being in all of space and time he is the creator he is the poet he is an artist He is the scientist. He's your friend. He's your lover. He's your rock. He's your shield. He's your fortress. He's everything you could ever imagine and beyond anything you could imagine. God is not boring. God is your friend. He is your father. He is your lover and he wants to walk with you and be with you. And so, church, I want to end with this. Let's learn to walk in the ways of the Lord. Let's walk that highway of righteousness. Let's endeavour to more closely walk alongside him. Because did not Jesus say, be yoked to me? Be yoked to me. Don't be yoked to something else. Walk next to me. My burden is light. My way is simple. Like an oxen with a yoke, tie yourself up to Jesus and learn to walk in step with the master so that you too can become just like him. This is the way of the Lord. Walk ye in it. Amen.